This is the On The Touchline Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater. Welcome to the show. I have a special offer for listeners of this show. And if you are a super fan, you want to take advantage of this offer. So who doesn't want to be part of an exclusive club? I've started a private group for my listeners of this show on patreon.com slash on the touchline. Now there's limited space available. The first 24 listeners to sign up for this offer have a chance to be part of an exclusive question and answer session once a month with a guest from this show. You're going to want to act fast. $10 per month will get you access to this special event. Now think about it. That's more affordable than paying for a space to play pickup soccer. The benefit to you, you get to learn and interact with coaches, players, and influencers in the game in a smaller setting. And who doesn't like a little personal attention? Go to patreon.com slash on the touchline and learn more. That's patreon.com slash on the touchline to learn more. Duke Tig Brand is offering listeners of the show 10% off their next order. To learn more, go to duketigbrand.com, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com, and upon checkout, use the promo code Broadwater19, B-R-O-A-D-W-A-T-E-R-1-9 at checkout. Enjoy 10% savings today. It is hard to believe that 30 episodes of this show have been recorded and shared with you, the listeners and supporters of this podcast. And I just want to take a moment and say thank you for your listenership, for sharing the show, for interacting with me on Twitter, on Instagram, and other platforms as well. Uh, Season one has been an absolute blast to record, and I can't thank the guests of this show enough for coming on and supporting this podcast. I have talked to some incredibly interesting people in the soccer community. So, This will be the season finale of season one, but uh, season two will be back soon, so no need to fear. Going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, Work on season two has already started, and I should be back in your feed fairly soon. So you'll want to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. That way, when new episodes become available, you will not miss a show. In episode 30 of On the Touchline, I talked to Jojo Juarez. Jojo is a coach at FC Dallas, East Texas, and he is also the head boys coach at All Saints Episcopal School in Tyler, Texas. I won't go into a long intro for Jojo. I'll let him cover that in the episode. So let's get right to it. I hope you enjoy episode 30 of the On the Touchline podcast with my guest, Jojo Juarez.
do you prefer Jojo? Do you prefer Joseph? Yeah, jo Jojo's perfectly fine. Nine times out of ten, uh, Jojo's fine. The only time I think Joseph is, uh, is, I guess, appropriate is when someone's writing me a check. <laughs> so, uh, that's, uh, Jojo is, is perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, I love that. That that's you're a smart man, Jojo. You're yeah, a smart man. I, I, I try. I definitely try. I'm trying to be rich and smart. <laughs> <laughs> So um, thank you for taking time to be on the on the Touchline podcast. And uh, we followed each other <clears throat> for a little while now on social media and, um, uh, you know, have gotten connected to your work or whatever. But I think it's important for folks that aren't familiar with who you are and your backstory to tell people, um, you know, uh, how you got to where you are in your coaching journey. And you can start wherever you want and, uh, you know, kind of jump in from there. Sure, sure, sure. It's, um, you know, it's pretty straightforward, I would imagine, for for me growing up around the game in this country. Um, as far as my playing career is concerned, it was, again, pretty straightforward. I was just a youth player um, here in East Texas, kind of growing up. And then, uh, you know, did the high school ball when I got up to, uh, to age. And then, you know, did a little bit in the college game. Um, and, and that was it, you know, as far as my playing career was concerned. Um, and then my coaching career, a little bit different story. I would, uh, I'd say less of a straightforward, um, a little bit of backstory. It was, it was my dad kind of growing up that was a pretty, pretty impactful figure for me because I always had him as a, as a coach in pretty much every sport that I played. Um, so when I got of age, I think I was probably about 15, 16. Um, I think my younger brother was playing in a local youth team. Um, and dad was coaching. And I think I was pretty heavily involved in high school. So I had quit playing with the association. I, uh, I just kind of wanted to be around my dad. <laughs> I wanted to keep being around my brother. So I became his uh, quote-unquote assistant coach. Now, keep in mind, I'm like a freshman, you know, I, an assistant coach title for me just meant I just joined in in the session the majority of the time. <laughs> uh, and, you know, kicked a, kicked a ball around with the guys and got to hang out with my brother and stuff. But um, nevertheless, that actually kind of took off. Um, and so I was, you know, I was playing in the high school um, and kind of helping my dad every every uh, every session and on games stuff and just kind of grew and grew and grew. Um, as a matter of fact, I remember um, very vividly taking at that time, I think, was the course through U.S. soccer, but also offered um, through your local state association. So um, here in North Texas, I took my my G license gosh, when I was maybe a sophomore, junior in high school. Um, mm. So kind of got this cool introduction to the, the coaching education programs here through U.S. Soccer. And then um, did that through high school, went off to college. Um, and then I remember uh, we did some camps during the summer to make a little, uh, like a little, make a little money during the, um, during the summer breaks and stuff. And it was during those summer camps uh, where I was playing at, at Tyler Junior College um, here in East Texas, it was during those camps that I I um, I remember being around the local club there in Tyler, um, and we had some of their players in, some of their coaches around campus. So I got to know them, uh, got to know some of their coaches as well, and an opportunity kind of fell in my lap to um, to start coaching with them, um, kind of on a full time basis. One of their teams came about, so I think I was a sophomore in college at that time, and and I got my first. Um, 
I got my first paid coaching gig. And so I was a, I was a college guy coaching a, a little club team, making a couple hundred dollars a month. So I was, I was smooth sailing at that point. Um, I ended up finishing up my degree over at University of Texas at Tyler. And at the same time, I was able to grab a, uh, I was able to grab a student assistant uh, job there. Um, for the soccer programs, uh, mostly on the boys' side, but I got to work on the women's side as well. Um, so that was that was super cool. I got to be around two uh, pretty prominent coaching mentors, uh, leaders in my life there at, uh, at University of Texas at Tyler with Kenny Jones and Steph Webb. So um, spent three years there, four seasons, um, kind of being around the guys at the same time, still with that local club. Um, and at that time, it, it went from a – it went from a kind of a local team, just playing the local leagues, to then we were traveling to Dallas Metroplex area, playing in some pretty pretty big leagues, um, pretty big tournaments and, and things of that sort. So I was kind of cutting my teeth pretty early on, um, and had some uh, some some pretty prominent roles pretty uh, pretty early on as well. So it was one of those I was being taught, <laughs> um, and I was teaching kind of at the same time. You know, I was I was fortunate enough to be under Kenny and Steph there at UT Tyler. Um, learning from them and, and, and getting uh, to, to know the ropes as far as what a proper environment looked like. Uh, but then also, you know, later in the evenings, I'd get to go um, kind of be the oh, my, my own um, captain of my ship, you know, with the club team. So um, after Tyler, after I graduated my undergrad, I took a year over in the Dallas Metroplex area, uh, coached there for a club, did some ODP stuff there. Um, and then I got a phone call uh, from... Um, I would consider a friend of mine now, um, Justin Neese, who asked me if I wanted to go work in the youth programs at the uh, Houston Dynamo. So I took him up on the offer, took off to Houston, um, spent a couple of months. It was probably the beginning of May, I think 2014, um, took off beginning of May, was there June, July. That actually morphed into a full-time teaching and coaching job there at a private school there in the Houston area. Um, so I was the head varsity coach. I taught full-time there, PE there, um, you know, and then I had a pretty successful year. We ended up, was fortunate enough to win a state championship there. Um, and then at the end of that year, I got another opportunity um, to become an athletic director uh, at another small private school. So took that job. Um, went over with uh, with a mentor of mine, Jeff Matthews. Uh, was there for two years on the on the north side of Houston. Um, was there for two like two years, and so and and all the while I was still with Houston Dynamo training programs um, as a as a senior staff coach with them. So um, you know, still dabbling in with the with the pro club there, um, but then also you know starting my career as an educator and administrator and coach and stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, made my way back to, uh, to Tyler, Texas. Um, once I got over here, I took a full-time uh, head coaching job at All Saints Episcopal, some of the boys' varsity head coach there. I also teach um, PE there, and I've also got all the strength and conditioning um, for the off-season programs there, as well as I am also formerly the um, – the, uh, the, Director of Coaching for FC Dallas East Texas um, on the junior side, which, <laughs> oddly enough, was uh, 
was formerly Azuri, Tyler Azuri, which was the club that I started with a couple of years back. So it kind of mm-hmm. all comes full circle. So um, kind of a roundabout story about kind of how I, I got to where I am now. So yeah. Uh, wow. Pretty, pretty straightforward uh, on the playing and on the coaching. It uh, took a couple of turns <laughs> and, and uh, wrong, wrong turns and some exits and things of that sort. But, but, uh, but yeah, so that's where I am right now. Yeah. So uh, I, I think there's a, a lot to unpack there and uh, something that you said that um, that I really liked. And maybe you could have uh, maybe expand on it just a little bit. Sure. But you, you said a phrase that was really interesting to me about the proper environment. Um, and so what does that mean to you as a coach? And maybe what does that look like for you as a coach? You know, I think at that point in time, it probably meant a bit something different than it would now. Um, in my coaching career. Keep in mind then I was, you know, young, young 20s uh, when I had gotten to UT Tyler. Um, I'm 30 years old now. So that was quite a bit ago. Um, well, I say that made me seem old. But, um, you know, back then I thought a proper environment meant uh, good training sessions and, and all the newest and latest innovative you know drills and activities and exercises and and tactics and 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 really everything to do with with uh, the x's and o's and the game and how much knowledge can i absorb and and things that sort um and and don't get me wrong i definitely got that while i was there Uh, again i think i mentioned it earlier kenny and steph um, and et tyler or were really really top shelf as far as all of that was concerned I didn't realize, though, that now, sitting where I am now, a proper environment um, is is so much more than that, so, so much more than that, um, as far as the holistic uh, development of, of players and, and people, more so than players, actually. So, um, you know, back then, I was just, you know, I was trying to scribble as many exercises and activities down as possible, because I thought that's all that mattered in coaching, mm-hmm. and I thought that if I had all the latest and greatest, you know, drills and and, uh, and 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 shadow play patterns and things that sort of if I had all that I was set I didn't need anything else um, I look back and boy I missed a ton <laughs> proper environment has a completely different meaning uh, now than it did back then I always think to myself that uh, I would love to go back and have a conversation with uh, you know me five years ago or when I first started my coaching <laughs> journey um, because it, it is amazing to me what I thought I knew and what I actually mm-hmm. knew. And mm-hmm. it wasn't a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it, it, it's, it's funny to that point. I, um, I think all the time I remember I've got notepads on notepads, just full of just stuff, you know, pizza box, cocktail napkin type stuff and, and just drawing patterns and things that sort now and I've got zero clue how to piece it together why we did it where we did it uh, what point in the season and things that sort and and you know what honestly that's the stuff that I really needed to know mm-hmm. um, not necessarily this certain pattern and this player gets it with that foot and uh, that stuff I, I tend to think I is a, is one of those like dime a dozen you know Mm-hmm. The where, the why, the thoughts behind it, things that sort of like, oh, no, I completely goofed that up, you know, and I wish I could go back um, every single day, you know, yeah. and, and, and try to put together those pieces. I also think, though, that um, 
I don't know. Some people might say that, you know, things happen for a reason or, uh, you know, that's part of the process and sort of the evolution for us as coaches that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, none of us are going to walk in on day one and be Pep Guardiola, right? That even, even for Pep to get to where he is, it's just this relentless pursuit of knowledge and learning and failure and Mm -hmm. ups and downs and, and whatnot. And, um, in, you know, by no means from, from my end as a, you know, academy coach now, do I have it all figured out? Because (laughs) I, I, I I think I know more than I did five years ago, but I also think, you know, think that I'm like still a toddler really in, in coaching Uh, years, you know, I I completely agree. It's, it's almost daily, Um, especially now with like social media and things that sort Um, just when I think I've got an idea and I'm like, Oh, you know what? I think I finally kind of cracked this or I think I've got it. Mm -hmm. Literally just go on Twitter and there's something that you're like, Oh my gosh, he's totally right. Or it makes me rethink or makes me kind of reshuffle. And uh, it's incredible. Just the, the evolution, even day to day, um, that, that goes on. And I'm sure you, you, you feel the same way, um, especially with, with your prominent role on, on, on social media and things that sort. There's so much information out there to sift through and, and digest and, and, and things of that sort. It's crazy. Um, yeah. I know for me personally, it's, it's literally day to day that I'm constantly rebuilding or reconstructing or, or trying to sort through, probably sort through is a, is a better word, you know, um, with all the information that's out there. Mm-hmm. So back to the, uh, the proper environment and you mentioned mm-hmm. something about the, uh, you know, the holistic, uh, approach in that, you know, it's not only a training session, it's not only matches, it's not only, um, you know, sort of that coach player relationship, but yep. how, how do you build that culture within the program that you're leading now? And how do you get I, your players to, to buy into that? You know, I think, and I'll keep using those prior experiences as, as big platforms for me to try to explain and, and paint what I'm doing now. Again, back then, um, that proper environment was really just about the X's and O's. Um, and I know it's going to sound cliche, but it's really more about the Jimmy and Joe's now um, and that and, and managing the person um, who is also the player, but the person first um, is probably the biggest shift in my own personal um, coaching journey throughout, you know, so I, I, again, I look back and go through those notes and it's exercises and, and drills and activities and things of that sort. And it's nothing about the players. It's nothing about the people. It's nothing about the conversations. It's nothing about the, the growths and the strengths and the weaknesses about those 11 or, or sorry, you know, 34 guys or however many it was. And so as far as a holistic development is concerned or, or whatever that means to somebody, I think for me personally, it's really caring about that person first. Um, and then once I grab that person, once I have him or her first, that's when I think I could unlock um, everything else. And I think I, almost fast um, sometimes to, uh, as odd as that may sound um, you know I try to engage them as people first as human beings first um, and I, and I try to I try to take that pretty much in every 
walk of where I'm at, whether I'm at the school, um, dealing with the varsity guys who are high school aged people, um, dealing with my staff at FC Dallas who are, you know, young adults, old adults, middle, adults, sorry, uh, middle-aged people, um, whether it's the players that I'm observing or working with, you know, it's finding out the context behind who they are and where they came from, how old they are and things of that sort, and then trying to relate as best as possible. Um, because once I, again, once I can establish that connection, then I can start to unlock what it is that I'm looking for. And, and realistically, soccer is just the vehicle. I, I just chose soccer to, uh, mm-hmm. to engage people, you know, so once I can, once I can do those things, then I can start working all the, the X's and O's and all that stuff I have laid out on in old index cards. But I think, you know, I, to, to bring it all back, it, it's it's about that culture of, of building relationships first. Um, and I know that's it's probably easier said than done, but I really do honestly feel like it's a deliberate attempt to do that um, that counts um, for me for me personally. Um, and that's that's probably been my biggest shift Um from back in the day when I only cared about the latest and greatest uh, passing pattern. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what are you like as a coach uh, at a training session or on the touchline during match day? It, you know, I, during a training session, I hope that my players uh, would see me as um, very much somebody who holds them accountable. Um, I, I, I like details. I like um, a deliberate attempt to do things purposefully. Um, I know that's a lot of words, a lot, probably a lot of buzzwords, but um, I am very detail oriented. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a go-getter. I don't think during training sessions, I, I try to give them as much as possible um, and, and, and really try to get down to the nitty gritty every single time. So during a training session, um, I, 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 I can be, um, I can be pretty overwhelming. <laughs> I think it's probably a good word to describe me. Um, you know, on the flip side, during the matches, uh, that that's where you know that's where they kind of take over. And so I think I'm a bit more reserved during matches. I like to think my instructions somewhat turn more into um, guidance more than anything. So during training sessions instructions for me are again very deliberate and purposeful and and very much um things that they can take and do immediately and uh, however on the flip side once they get into matches it's it's really less about me and more about them and so my my commands or instructions or whatever you want to call it really hopefully turns into more guidance and more cues you know uh, uh, because i still want them to be in charge of their of their decisions um i'll take a little bit more back um in the training sessions but i'll I'll, i like to think i let them i let them kind of take over during the matches and i'm just a i'm just a guide i'm just uh adding a little bit there a little dab this to oh try to find those oh yeah moments during a match but um i i think my assistants and my players would would say that i i'm definitely uh, all in during training sessions that's that's my time to put it all out there and, and give it all to them and um, so that way hope logic is that by the time they get to the match they've kind of seen it all done it all and then they can kind of go about and retrieve whatever whatever it is that they need from um, from their kind of their their storage bank and, and they can go out and execute whatever that is 
Uh, and my guy, my, my job is just to kind of guide them and, and give them a hint now every now and then, or uh, sometimes it kind of kick in the rear end, just depends. But <laughs> um, hopefully kind of a Jekyll and Hyde for me um, is what I think my players and my and my the people that I work with on a daily basis would, would say uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, um, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> so uh, how would you describe your, your style of play or maybe your even your ideal style of play um, that you would like to play, you know, ooh. inspire to? Oh man, that's a tricky one, right? That's the, that's the million dollar question. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know that I have a set style of play. Um, I like to think that each one of my teams was distinct. Each one of my teams was their own um, identity. Um, the reason I say that is because soccer is one of those games that every game, literally every second, minute, kick, things change. There's so many variables. Um, it's so dynamic that uh, I don't know that any of my teams look the same, um, as odd as that may sound. And I think that may cause some of the listeners to kind of jump back a little bit. But what I mean by that is each one of them had their own set of players with their own sets of talents and their own uh, context behind it, honestly because my high school teams looked different than my college teams and the college teams looked different than the youth teams. Um, and there's different demands in each of those arenas. Um, you know, my youth teams demands were different than, than those of my travel teams even. So as far as my playing philosophy is, is concerned or the philosophy overall, it, it, I, I want my teams to be adaptable. I really do based on the context. Um, I, I'd be really naive to say that we're wanting to be this Barcelona, you know, death by a thousand passes team every single game because every single game is not going to allow that. Every single game is not going to call for that. Um, sometimes you've got to use a couple of different things to kind of unlock the game. Um, a ball over the top or maybe, a, you know, somebody 1v1 that takes over is needed in that point in time. And if anything, I want to make sure that my teams know the when, the why, and, and, and the how um, to, to do those things at the right time. So as far as the playing philosophy is concerned, for me, it's it, I want my players to be adaptable and I want them to have every tool and I want them to have a thought behind using that tool um, if and when the game calls for it. Um, again, I, I love Barcelona, I love the way they pass the ball, but then again, I also like, uh, you know, like Borussia Dortmund, like the way that they press. You know, some teams are better without the ball than they are with the ball. Um, and I like to think that I, I try to prepare my teams to go about and whatever it is that the game needs at that time, we're able to call upon it. Um, so, you know, it, it's almost uh, it's almost a little bit of a trap, that question, you know, because I don't want to say one thing. And then, I, oh, you know what? There was that one game that we did have to play a few more balls out of the back, you know, into the forward to try to bring down out of the air, as, as blasphemous as that may sound. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think it, so, adaptability is probably one of the most uh, – maybe underappreciated skills in our game. And I say that because, so I, I think it was Anson Dorrance from North Carolina that said something along the lines of, you know, I want my teams to be able to play possession soccer, but recognize when to play direct. 
and to be, you know, adaptable enough to say this situation dictates that that is the best way to unlock the game in Mm -hmm. that, you know, in that particular instance. And um, I I always, you know, sort of go back to that because, you know, I, I tell my players all the time, you know, we, we start with this idea that we want to keep the ball, you know, more right. than the other team, mm-hmm. but we don't, it's exactly what you said, Jojo, that, I mean, it's not just, you know, death by a thousand passes where, I mean, we're just kicking the ball around for really no reason. I mean, we right. want to, you know, unlock that final third or the middle third of the game or, or whatever. And, you know, we want to move uh, the defending team into a position where they're vulnerable and we want to, you know, break them down that way. And so, you know, if it, if it calls for being a little adaptable, then so be it. But right. it goes back to your, your thought on the training session that they're exposed to those ideas and that thought process during training. Yep. They're not learning it for the first time during a match. <laughs> yeah. The- you know, it was funny. I saw I saw the greatest meme the other day. I can't remember who was playing, but the meme popped up with I think it's Xavi. And like, just just disclaimer: Xavi is one of the greatest players of his generation. I love him to death. But it was Xavi with his hands in his face, and he says, "But we had possession, you know." <laughs> uh, and I think I think if anything, that's exactly what I don't want my teams to think. I don't want my teams to think that something of that sort. Uh, whether that's possession or attacking side, whatever that theme is, I don't want them to think of that as a necessarily a philosophy. I want them to think of it as a tool, and I want my teams to have many tools. I really, really do. Um, you know, I, again, I think for my philosophy, I, I want my players to. I want my players to be able to call upon whatever skill is needed in the right time and at the right moment and execute that technically and tactically every single time. And so for me, I I think more so than anything in my philosophy, I think I'm just developing a bunch of kind of non-negotiables and then everything else is kind of on the table. We we can kind of figure out if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so for me, it's, it's my, my philosophy, I've got a few different non-negotiables, you know, such as work ethic and attention to detail and things that sort. And then everything else, like I said, we can we can kind of discuss based on the opponent, based on, you know, the weather, based on the teams that that we the type of teams that we play based on the, the players that we have available to us, maybe through injury or things that sort. Um, you know, I, I go back to the high school team that I have right now that we just finished we were pretty injury plagued. And, and so we kind of had to plug holes and kind of change the way, quote unquote, we played a little bit to suit the players. Um, and that's perfectly fine with me, honestly, because the players knew that given certain circumstances, they were going to have to call upon, um, you know, different sets of tactics or, or techniques and things of that sort. And I was really proud of them. Um, not so much because, you know, we had a winning season, but they adapted. And I like to think that we gave them the tools to adapt, you know, and, and that's something that made me really, really proud. Again, there was those underlying themes of you know, hard work and attention to detail, but uh, how hard we worked in certain times of the game was kind of negotiable. We, that, that changed a little bit. Um, and, and, and even the, you know, attention to detail, there were certain details that we kind of let go by the wayside, you know, and then concentrated on these other ones. You know, 
soccer is it's, you kind of give something away, but you also get to take something. So, um, again, those themes were ever present and then everything else just just kind of shifted accordingly. And I'm again, I was super proud um, that they were able to be adaptable and that we um, as a coaching staff kind of gave them those tools and they went out and executed it at the right times at the right moments and then in the right ways um you know i, I think that's a philosophy um, that i like to hang my hat on you know mm-hmm. if that makes any sense at all some people would want to probably hear that we like to play using outside backs and overlap and create overloads <laughs> and all these other buzzwords and, and things that sort but the realistic thing is is it's all based upon context and environment and, and, and a bunch of variables that nine times out of 10, we don't get to control. <laughs> um, right. So I, I, that being said, I do want to control what I absolutely can control, you know, and I can control uh, the training environment and um, hopefully this culture of working hard and paying attention to the details, regardless of what those details are, that we pay attention and, and, and we focus on those details every single time. Um, you know, and I think that's important to me. That's that kind of, that, that's that proper environment in my head as it stands now as a 30 year old, <laughs> um, hope maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, and I, hopefully that changes going forward, but that's just kind of where I'm at now, you know, uh, based upon the things that I've done and, and who I've been around and, 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 and hopefully the things that I, I want to accomplish. So, um, so I'm curious about the uh, experience working with two major league soccer clubs and uh, what it was like, uh, you know, at the Dynamo and uh, what, sure. it, what it's been like with uh, with FC Dallas. <laughs> First and foremost, it's it's uh, it's not every day you meet someone that has experience with with both of them. Um, I think we're supposed to be rivals. <laughs> If I, uh, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Um, but you know what? I got a closet full of FC Dallas gear and I got a closet full of Dynamo gear too. So, um, you know, oddly enough, I was a fan of both um, at separate times because there was a time that there was no FC Dallas and there was no Dynamo and it's just Dallas Burn. Um, and then came FC Dallas and, and, and then, oh yeah, hey, by the way, then came uh, the Dynamo. So I um, I was grandfathered in. I don't care what anybody says. I think he can have room for both. So uh, I'm a soccer fan, period. And I just <laughs> put a period at the end of that. So um, it was it was it's it's definitely something that I don't take for granted. Being a part of of both of these franchises and organizations, my time at the Dynamo was was something that I hold pretty near and dear to my heart because I think it was it was a time for me to to get on a stage and be a part of an organization and a badge that, that really meant something to me and, and and that whole theme of that whole theme of being a proper environment being there um, and being held accountable uh, and being held to a standard and, and being held to a badge that meant something and that was really really powerful you know for us in the youth programs we were really we were the visible side uh, and we were the tangible side, so to speak, of the club. We were out in the communities. We were out doing camps and clinics and training programs. And, and you know, I, I would argue that, uh, that most of the kids that we interacted with probably will never get a chance to meet some of the, the players like Ricardo Clark or, you know, Will Bruin or those guys. Uh, you know, they may see them playing at the game, but they'll never get a chance to meet them. But they remember Coach Jojo, you know, that, that's, a, that's a dynamo coach. Um, and that was a really special feeling. 
um, that was a very, very special feeling because, again, you were doing something that not only represented yourself, but you're working for a badge, you're working for a club, you're working for a brand, you're working for um, a yeah, city, you know, and that was a pretty unique experience that gave me a sense of pride and a sense of professionalism that, uh, you know, up until that time wasn't as, wasn't as big, you know. I, I, again, I won't take for granted my time at the university or at the club or anything of that sort, but when I got to the Dynamo and I put on, I put on that jersey for the first time and, and went off to training. I, I carried, uh, I, I carried, uh, I carried myself pretty, uh, pretty different. You know, I remember that feeling because it, it was, it was no longer Coach JoJo. It was, it was Coach JoJo of the Houston Dynamo. You know, out there with these kids that were that were hungry and that were motivated and that really kind of starstruck, especially the little ones. If and when I got to work with the little ones, they were, they were over the moon about working with a Houston Dynamo coach, you know, and they wanted to, they wanted to be around that. And that was a really cool feeling. So, um, you, you know, I could say the same thing about being over here uh, with FC Dallas East Texas, although we're an extension and we're an affiliate of, uh, of the main club it's still you're carrying a brand with you um, and especially here in East Texas that brand means a lot because it's it's something that's deliverable and marketable um, but it's also something that people also realize you know what that's down the road and that's something to aspire to and this is kind of this is my way towards that and so being a part of these two organizations is again uh, overall has given me a sense of pride in my job and professionalism, knowing that it's not just about me anymore. And I've got people depending on me and, 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 and from a romantic side of the game, um, I've got players and parents, I've got their, almost their aspirations and dreams in my hands. And sometimes I'm the first point of contact with the game overall. You know, I go back to the Dynamo. There was there was areas of the city, and there were places that we went that these players had never touched a soccer ball in their whole life. And the first contact where they have with the game was with Coach JoJo wearing a Houston Dynamo jersey. And and if I didn't bring it that day, that could potentially turn them off to not only the game and the Dynamo, but potentially even sports overall. Um, and that's a pretty big burden to carry. Um, I know again that's a bit more of the the, the soccer romantic in me, but um, that's a pretty big deal to me. Um, and that's a pretty big responsibility that I have that I could potentially ignite these players' passion for the game um, or crush it on the opposite side uh, in an instant, you know. And, and I think realizing that and, and going through that was something that I will never, ever take for granted. And I think that kind of goes along with what we you and I touched on earlier is you kind of want to capture them as people first. And when we went out on those training programs or, or Academy ID events or whatever the case, or even here when we go out to the rural areas of, of East Texas and things that sort, my job is to capture them as, as soccer fans and soccer lovers first, you know, parents included. Um, and then once I do that, once I ignite that passion inside them, I can turn them into as, as many, you know, little ballers as they, as they want to be, you know, but uh, at the end of the day, our job was to, to connect them to soccer and connect them to, 
you know, the Dynamo and connect them to FC Dallas and connect them to the game first and foremost, because somewhere along the line, somebody did that for me. Um, and, and I would argue that multiple people did that for me. And so to your original question, what's it like with, with being a part of these two clubs and having been with the Dynamo and now with FC Dallas, um, it's a pretty big responsibility. Um, and it has zero to do with my job or, or these programs that we have and, and things of that sort. It has everything to do with building relationships with these kids and turning them on to the turning this this beautiful, elaborate game that, that, that we all kind of take part in. Um, and hopefully I can do my my part to <laughs> create that proper environment, which which keeps them coming back and keeps them playing. Because at the end of the day, if we can do that and, and ignite them, uh, ignite that passion within them, these are going to be the future people that do these podcasts and that run – affiliate clubs and that become referees and administrators and donors and, and things of that sort. And hopefully, like I said, I can do my part to, to, uh, to kind of cultivate those, those, those people, because I, I certainly hope that, that, that I'm doing my job and, and in turning on somebody to the game, just like, like I said, somebody did, did to me me long ago so that was a bit of a long-winded answer wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer uh t- t- talk a little bit about the um I-, I guess the the clientele uh you said that you know you're in east texas uh maybe serving some rural com- uh, communities um i know where i live here in the pittsburgh area uh that you know, i've often told folks that um you know you get outside the city it gets pretty rural pretty quickly and, sure. uh, you know, I, I guess I'm curious, and it could be with the Dynamo or, or with FC Dallas in terms of um, what that experience has been, because they, you touched on a little bit of bringing soccer maybe to people or to, um, you know, a, a group of kids or parents that this may be a little different for them because, yeah. you know, I mean, you're in a very foot, um, American football rich state and and i can relate wholeheartedly because of uh you know the the pittsburgh steelers and uh sort of what that's meant to, to people here in the uh where i live but um yeah i i'm just curious because you know uh i can imagine it's sort of this you know bringing together of many influences right there's probably some hispanic influence there's probably yeah, yeah you know, uh, all these things coming together. And I, I don't know. I'm curious what that experience was like it's, for you. You know, over here in East Texas, we're so Tyler specifically. So where I live, where I work every day and, and, and do the majority of my stuff. Um, we're about an hour and a half, two hours, kind of depending upon um, where you're going uh, in Dallas, the Metroplex area, which is a very, very soccer rich community. Um, very, very... Uh, well-organized, well-structured leagues and, and, and coaches and obviously FC Dallas, the pro team is there, things of that sort. So um, that being said, we're close enough to where we can tap into that market and, and we can use that market to propel the game. A lot of our players and, and teams and stuff um, play there um, for those of them that want it. But it's far enough away to where we kind of have our own identity as well. Um, we very much have 
uh, our own communities, uh, you know, a lot of Hispanics in this area, things that sort. So we definitely have our own flavor. We're close enough to where we can, if we want that, um, that, that structured and well-organized and long-standing tradition, rich, um, soccer experience, um, and, and very much at a high level, uh, we go, you know, 90 minutes, uh, two hours down the road, um, to the Dallas area, the Metroplex. Um, and then same thing with Houston, you know, it's a little bit further. It's probably about three, three and a half hours to Houston, but, um, so we're close enough to get that experience if we want it. Other than that, we're, we're kind of, uh, on an Island, so to speak. And, uh, the, the good thing is, is we've got enough good people, good, true soccer people here in the area that, that we can, again, create our own identity and, and we can do um, some really good things as far as development of players and things of that sort. But um, it, it also it also has its challenges because uh, geographically speaking, it, it's, uh, it's a, East Texas is a pretty big area. And so there's not enough maybe resources or personnel to go that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I was going to say, where do you where do you see all this going uh, for you as a coach? Right now, um, you know, my first and foremost priority is to uh, be the best varsity soccer coach I can be <laughs> at All Saints. Um, and right now, my 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 hopes and dreams are to be the best director of coaching um, on the junior side for FC Dallas uh, East Texas uh, that I can be. Um, and continue to learn. I still got a couple of things that I want to do um, professionally, but on a personal level, you know, I've got two little ones. Uh, one's three and a half, one's one. And so I do also want to take the time to be a dad to them. Um, and I want to make sure that I, uh, you know, do right by them and, and, like I said, be a dad and be present and play and things that sort. So um, I've, I've got things that I want to accomplish. Um, you know, down the road. But right now, um, I'm extremely happy with where I'm at um, and being able to have the impact that I do because um, luckily, fortunately for me, I'm able to work with a pretty wide range of, of, of players um, and people, so to speak. So, you know, like I said, at FC Dallas, um, East Texas on the junior side and even our PE programs at All Saints, we've got kids as young as three um, that we're involved with. And then I work with I work with coaches and players that, um, you know, that are, some of them are even adults, you know, with a lot of my staff, some of them are, are, are older than I am. So I get to work with people. Um, and I think that's my priority right, right now. Um, so trying to impact as many people I can is, is what I want to do. Um, and, and what I'm getting to do, um, thankfully right now and, and later down the road, who knows, you know, I think we all have aspirations of doing this, that, and the other. And I think, um, while it's good to be mindful of those things, I also don't want to, to miss out on it right now. You know, I've, I'm, I'm sitting really pretty with where I'm at as far as my ability and soccer and um, even with the PE programs, the health and well-being of, of people. And so right now that's my priority. And, and uh, you know, to look any further than that, I think is, is to do a bit of a disservice um, to those people um, and my kids included in that. Uh, I don't want to put my, I don't want to put the cart before the horse <laughs> um, mm-hmm. as far as my career is concerned. Cause I think I've got a lot to do right now. And I think I've got a, the, the capacity for me to impact um, is, is, is pretty big right now. And so, um, you know, with whatever comes after that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. 
I just right now I, I'm I'm trying to stay in the present because I uh, I think I mentioned this at the beginning. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to look back um, at my notes from right now, ten years from now, and say, ah, what what was I doing? I, I missed this or I missed that. Look, I did ten years ago uh, when I was trying to <laughs> to scribble every little passing pattern on a cocktail napkin or pizza box, you know. And so uh, I've learned through through almost the hard way that um, be present, smell the roses, take some time to kind of sit back and breathe in the fresh air. And, um, and, and you know what, it's, it's okay for me not to be chasing my UEFA pro license right now. It's perfectly fine to sit and watch SpongeBob on a Saturday morning, um, with my son and, and, and go outside and play catch. And, and I, I won't miss a whole lot if I do that. Um, you know, I, with, with, with those things in mind, trying to impact it because, uh, I, I think for the first couple of years of my career, I, I definitely tried to do too many things at once and a lot of things and a lot of opportunities kind of fell by the wayside because I wasn't present, you know? Um, and, and, and I think all that being said, I, I don't regret anything I did. Um, but I do wish, um, I do wish I, I would have been a bit more mindful of what was going on right then and there, you know, because although I've got a really good library of passing patterns and drills and activities, I also miss a lot of context that goes along with it. Um, and, and that's a, that's a, that's like a small picture of it. I think big picture. Um, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to miss anything. Um, whether that's being a dad or being a coach or a PE teacher or an administrator, I don't want to miss any chance that I have to make an impact. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm doing uh, the best job possible. So again, like I said, and, and, and I, you're probably the same way. There's a ton of things that I want to do and, and uh, there's a ton of titles and hats that I want to wear and, and hopefully I'll get that chance. But, but right now um, I'm going to, <laughs> Uh, I, I'm going to use these chances and, and take all the shots that I have right now, mm -hmm. uh, whether that's, like I said, whether that's at FC Dallas, East Texas, or whether that's at All Saints or, or being a dad, I'm going to try to be in the moment as much as possible and, and really do um, as much as I can to uh, ignite the, that, that passion um, about a multitude of things. Like I said, I'm a PE teacher too, so I'm trying to get kids fit and healthy and active and, um, and, and, uh, and all those things that come with it. So, um, well, I, I mean, that strikes me as an incredibly self-aware uh, person. And I, I mean, I talk a lot about, you know, my uh, sort of mental health journey and sort of how I've gotten to this place of, you know, it, it's this process. And, um, you know, I, I, a good friend of mine, Jojo, um, he, he jokes with me and, and I've known this person since uh, elementary school. He was my college roommate, talked to him multiple, multiple times a week. And, uh he and his wife were um, a few years ago. Uh, they were expecting their first child, and uh, my wife and I we have we have three kids. And he asked me, you know, point blank, he said, "What's it like, you know, being a dad?" And I said, <laughs> "Listen, uh, I said, you know, uh, you can read about it. You can talk to a hundred different people, right? And you're going to get a hundred different answers." I said, "What I'm going to tell you though is that it is the best job." you'll ever have. It's the hardest job you'll ever have. Yep, and, you'll, yep. and you'll feel like you never have enough time. 
And, uh, you know, I saw him recently and, um, you know, we joke about that a little bit because, you know, I, I just think that for us in the, in the coaching world, that you're mm -hmm. a professional, you're a coach, yep. you're a dad, um, wait, wait till your kids start playing the game. And <laughs> oh my gosh, don't, oh no. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and for me, right. So I've talked about this sort of roundabout coaching journey I've gone on to sort of get to where I'm at and that, thank God my son started playing soccer and because of him, uh, that is what got me inspired to want to pursue coaching at a greater level and a higher level. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in there, there've been few things in my life that have brought me more joy than coaching him. Um, and, and I hope to do the same for my daughters. Uh, you know, they're not quite old enough to play yet and, uh, they're, they're around your kid's age, but, um, yep. yeah, I, I mean, just for the fact that even my, you know, soon to be three-year-old daughter or our middle child, when she gets out in the backyard with us and kicks the ball around, I mean, she, you know, she has no clue what she's doing, but to see her <laughs> smiling and laughing and just having fun and, you know, she wants to be like her brother. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my God, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. yes, this is what it's all about. And yes, yes. so I, I often tell people that, you know, I feel like I fail most days, right? Because I'm trying to do 7,000 things all at the same time. And, you know, some days I feel like I don't do any of them very well. And, um, you know, trying to be dad. And I agree with you of being present, of setting time mm -hmm. aside to remind myself of that because I, I know that I can get caught up in the rat race pretty yeah. easily, you know, pretty easily. And it's really freaking hard <laughs> for anybody listening to this. I mean, <laughs> you know, two, here's two guys that don't have it figured out and that we struggle with it. Yeah. I, I remember very vividly, um, Again, I think I mentioned it. My my dad was my coach growing up, mm -hmm. you know, in, in any sport, whether it was t-ball or soccer or, or whatever it was, or Boy Scouts or whatever the case may be. Um, I didn't necessarily get to see my dad in in his playing days, you know, so to speak. But I got to see him as a coach. So my image of you know, he had the whistle and the lanyard and and, and the clipboard and carrying the water cooler and and I just I, re, I that was so cool to me. You know, and, and, and to see him in that light and to see him in that way, that was that was something that's very, very special to me. Even now, I look back and some of my greatest memories were the car rides to the car rides from the, you know, when I was his assistant, like I told you, um, mm -hmm. really just kind of a cone mover. I, one of my main responsibilities was to fill up the water cooler. I remember coming home from middle school or even high school and. And I would take out the ice cubes from the fridge and dump them all out in the, into the water cooler and then, you know, grab the thing from the faucet and sit there for like 30 minutes while it tried to fill up. You know? Like, I remember all those things. And, and all the while, I just at that point, I thought it was I thought it was so cool because I was around my dad. And I hope I hope and I pray that I get to be that for for Nathaniel and Maddie, like you said. And uh, that's really what it's all about is trying to trying to use it, it soccer is just the vehicle that, that, that i have been you know blessed with to to use to try to connect with my kids sports in general and and i remember if if i get to do half the things um and feel half as good about the things that that i had with with my dad with with them oh my gosh our journey is going to be incredible you know mm -hmm. because again those are things that i'll never ever ever forget 
Um, and those are those are things that are very near to dear and me to, to me. And so um, to get to be able to, to have the chance to do that with my kids, you know, not that I'm going to uh, I'm not going to make him fill up the water cooler because that definitely took <laughs> 30 minutes for that damn thing to fill up. But, uh, uh, we were always like, cause he's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm still filling this up, you know, and I've got the whole thing. Um, but but just to be able to share those things, you know, even waking up and watching Premier League games, you know, getting to watch Chelsea, because uh, I've brainwashed him, I'm a Chelsea supporter. But even when he goes, you know, Chelsea, and he starts doing the chant, like, that's so cool. Like, that's that's awesome, you know. Uh, and so I hope I, I hope I don't screw that up, quite honestly. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. And you're, you're absolutely right. When they begin to sit down and watch matches with you, when they, um, you know, when they start to understand the game and um, mm-hmm. I mean, we, so uh, as an Everton supporter, I, I've told this story before, but um, we were watching uh, Everton and Liverpool at, uh, at Anfield and uh, you know, uh, Pickford makes this massive mistake at the end Um not sure what the hell he was trying to do. Uh, <laughs> Liverpool ends up scoring. And, uh, you know, up to that point, Everton had played a pretty fantastic match in a very difficult environment. And um, uh, my son and I were watching the game. And, uh, I mean, he just – he knew. And I, you know, I said a few things at the TV that I probably shouldn't have said in front of him. And, um, oh, you, you know, too, huh? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he just looked at me and said, Dad, you know, like, it's okay. And – um, you know, yeah, I mean, that's just a, just a, you know, may not be my proudest moment as a father, but, uh, it's <laughs> no, still fun. It's still you fun. Know, I, I, I'm fortunate. I've got Nathaniel in class with me. I'm his PE teacher. I can see him every day That's awesome. Um, for 20, 25 minutes a day. And, and I, you know, I go back to like, you know, what it was when you asked what it was like to, to be a part of a, a pro club and organization, things that sort, it's a big burden. It's a responsibility. You know, I'm not just a PE teacher anymore. I'm um, I'm his dad who also has the responsibility, both professionally and personally, of instilling healthy, active habits in him. And so um, it's a pretty big time deal to me. Like I said, not that I wasn't professional or, or really cared about what I did in, in PE before, but this is all the things that I I learned in school and all the great experiences that I had in PE and all the, the things that I got to do and enjoy and all those memories. Um, that's my job now for my son. Like I'm that person. That's mm-hmm. a huge weight, you know, and that's something I definitely don't take lightly because, uh, you know, later on kind of knock on wood, if he doesn't know how to throw or catch or kick or anything, that's somewhat kind of my responsibility. Um, and so I, uh, I definitely try uh, on a daily basis to, not just engage him as a peach, but also his dad a little bit as well. And uh, that's been kind of a unique experience uh, for me as both an educator and a dad and a, uh, and a coach to kind of have him there every single day because, um, you know, whether he does or doesn't, it's on me, just like with us in our coaching, um, in our coaching journeys, you know, if the, if the players do or don't either way, that's, that's that's your job as a coach. It falls on you. It's your responsibility, and so um, it's a it's a pretty unique but really kind of uh, intense, heavy feeling knowing that um, his his development is is really largely responsible to you and your efforts. And that's like I said, that's why I try to to, to be deliberate and purposeful and um, and and make those connections because if he sees that you know if he sees that I value him working hard and 
and uh, you know throwing the ball the right way and things of that sort. He 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 likes it, and if he likes it, um, you know he's he's probably going to pursue it. And then it's just my job to just kind of facilitate, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. and kind of get the heck out of the way. Once I give him the tools, kind of like just in the game when we're when we're coaching, give him the tools, and then whatever he wants to go do with them, uh, it's my job to facilitate and. You know, every once in a while, I got to kick him in the rear, but, you know, um, <laughs> every that, dad does. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trust me, this dude uh, has his fair share of those moments. He's a great dude. Every once in a while, he can be a, he can be a bit of a knucklehead. So, <laughs> so uh, a, a question that I ask uh, every guest that comes on the show Um uh, what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong in this country when it comes to soccer? Gosh, gosh, you know, um, I, I, I try to, to stay out of these conversations just because I'm, I'm so on the fence about so many things. I think <laughs> as far as the country's concerned, I wish we would just get behind something and stick with it. You know, I can't tell you how many coaching courses or, uh, you know, things that I hear about, oh, it's the next and greatest thing. There's even kind of something that we're going through right now with, with U.S. soccer and their coaching education. Oh, yeah, this is the latest and greatest, and it's coming from X Federation or Y Federation or no research says this. And it's one of those deals like, you know how many times I've heard that? Mm-hmm. Because you gave me the same speech 10 years ago when I took this course or a course, you know, and then five years before that. And then, oh, by the way, this other governing body in the country tells me a completely different other thing from another country that we've adopted it from. And so uh, I would love for us to just uh, figure out what, whatever it is, figure out what it is and let's stick to it. Uh, whether it's German or Dutch or Hispanic or whatever the case may be, uh, more about what the, the French Federation or Belgium and double pass, all, all these different things, the latest and greatest, and we, can, we, we tend to keep switching. You know, we do a lot of things right in this country, um, and, and, and surely we can kind of figure out a couple of things that we can all kind of agree upon, some of those non-negotiables that we talked about. Um, you know, so if, if, as far as things that we're doing wrong, I don't have all the answers. I probably never, ever will. Um, but hopefully we can at least identify a couple of things that we agree upon and start to go move forward. Um, you know, I think the one thing that's it, it, the one thing that's detrimental is that we're not decisive, you know, and even when we are decisive and we decide, hey, yeah, we're going with, the, you know, we're going with the German guy or we're going with whoever. It's only for a relatively short amount of time. You know, or some sort of coaching education is adopted from X country that's proven and they want this, that, and the other. Yeah, but you think about the context. You're coming, you're taking that from a country that's about the size of East Texas, you know, where it's controllable and you can manipulate it and you can, uh, you know, confine it and, and construct it. And then you're trying to drop it into a country that's the size, that's, that's our size, that's out of control and, uh, you know, and then you've got different people out there preaching the gospel, and it's, uh, it's 17 different versions of it, and uh, that's just a mess, you know, figure out what it is that we want and align ourselves somehow. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be with uh, some sort of federation. Again, it could just be a, just a bunch of principles or just a bunch of, of factors that we all kind of agree upon. Like I said, I don't know how many different times I've been on X coaching course or Y coaching course, and it's literally... Oh, hey, by the way, everything that we just taught you 10 years ago that we told you was the was the gospel, throw that out. <laughs> we now believe it's this. 
you know, and research tells us because this country did this, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's proven it's, this is it right here. We're going to blank, 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 you know, and that's, and that's not necessarily the way to go about things because there's a lot of context. There's a lot of variables. Uh, there's a lot of things that go into those, uh, into those decisions that I think we should, we should really take some time to peel back the layers on. Like I said, we do a lot of good things here in this country. And um, one of those is, is patience, I, I think, um, in, in a lot of different arenas. Uh, and unfortunately, soccer hasn't caught on to that, you know. Um, and unfortunately, uh, soccer is still one of those things that we're trying to be, uh, we're trying to put the, the cart before the horse. We're in our infancy, and, and I get that, and, and we accept that. Um, but I think when we can kind of reel ourselves back a little bit is when we, hopefully we can start to make some um, some really good advancements, not just try to copy and paste from the, the, the past World Cup winner and what they do. You know, people, for example, people talk all the time about, uh, you know, oh, these these academies that are playing futsal and on the streets and street soccer, this street soccer. The other. It, it, we're in a completely different country. You know, we've got nice pitches. We've got nice facilities. Use them. Grow them. Absolutely. You know, we don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel. So, um, again, I think that was a little bit kind of feed in the air. I didn't get into too much detail. But um, overall, I wish the, the Federation and the country would just get behind something and stick with it um, for a significant amount of time. Because, number one, it's confusing. It's confusing as hell. Like I said, going on 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 this uh, coaching course or that coaching course or this coaching course that's offered by this other governing body that's out there, it's it's conflicting and that's mm-hmm. confusing. And if we're all trying to be united and all trying to create this this culture and this country of 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 soccer, then then boy, we better streamline some stuff. We better streamline some stuff pretty quickly. Um, and that's 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 everything. That's player development. That's coaching education. It really coaching education, honestly. <laughs> um, but our scouting, the way we scout, the way that we bring about our leagues and, and players and things of that sort. So, um, again, hopefully that, that kind of answered your question a little bit. I just, I don't have all the answers, and I, I certainly don't want to be the person that's, you know, that's that's constantly, you know, berating the, the Federation because we do do some really great things. We do great uh, we have great people. We have we have some wonderful, wonderful people doing some wonderful things. Um, but unfortunately, it's just too far. Uh, it's too far, um, you know, removed from the general vision. Um, and as soon as we can streamline those things, uh, I think we'll be better for it. Again, it, it doesn't help that we're massive as far as just, just, that, that doesn't help us. But if if you and I can sit on this uh, on this conversation and uh, and do this with this technology and things that sort, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to to make some real dents and improvements in the way that we go about developing um, not only coaches and players but just soccer in general in this country. Um, so, yeah. uh, if uh, if folks want to connect with you and follow along in uh, your work and uh, what you're doing as a coach, uh, how can they do that? Sure. Uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, my, my emails, I'm, I'm pretty accessible. You know, FC Dallas East Texas has a website that uh, I'm on there all the time. You just Google FC Dallas East Texas, the website will pop 
up right up um, at Twitter at Juarez, J-U-A-R-E-Z, 2560. I try to keep myself as active as possible on there. Nine times out of ten, I retweet stuff just because I couldn't read it right then and there. I have to go back and read it. Um, But, you know, Instagram, same thing, Facebook. Uh, and then you could go to the, the school website, uh, All Saints Episcopal School in Tyler, Texas, and all my contact info is on there, emails, uh, cell phones. I'm, I'm pretty pretty visible. I'm pretty out there on all the all the uh, on all the venues. So good stuff, man. Uh, thank you so much for being on the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast, and uh, wish you and uh, the teams that you're coaching and your family. Um, Nothing but the best, and uh, would love to have you. Yeah, Thank love you. to have you back on sometime and uh, do a deep dive on uh, a topic or, or something like that. That sounds good. Anytime, just uh, just say the word, and I'm here. All right, season one in the books, and my thanks to episode 30's guest, Jojo Juarez, for coming on the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast. As I mentioned earlier, going to take a little bit of a break. My spring club season is going to get going here, but work on season two of On the Touchline has already begun and have some pretty fantastic guests lined up that I can't wait to share with you soon. So before we close up shop for this season, make sure that you subscribe to the show on all the major podcasting outlets. So whatever you prefer. So if that's Apple, if that's Google, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn Radio, whatever it might be. We are on 11 different podcasting platforms and you will not miss an episode if you subscribe to the show. If you subscribe on Apple Podcast please be sure to go to the show. So type in on the touchline in the search bar. That'll take you right to the show. Leave a five-star rating and a brief review. And if there's something specific you like about the show, tell everybody because we want more and more folks in the soccer community to learn about this podcast. All right, that is all I have for season one. I can't thank you enough for supporting and listening to this podcast. And please, please, please tell any friends, any players, fellow coaches, anyone in the soccer community about this show. Back soon with season two. I wish you all the best. And until next time, this has been the On the Touchline podcast. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater.